0: Our main point today, like I said, is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 and 16, and it reads like this, up on the screen. It says, God blesses the poor and those who realize their need for him. And I put the therefore in. Therefore, let your light shine so that others can see the good that you do so that we can praise your Father in heaven. If you look at the Beatitudes, they are listed in a sequential order. You have to have... You have to realize your need for God before you can serve God. And a lot of times we like to go straight to praising God because he is God. We, we recognize that, but we don't want to surrender to God. And so the Beatitudes, if you look at through, through them, they are in a way that we have to recognize our need for him. We have to recognize that we need to surrender to that need and we need to have a broken heart and realize our brokenness, mourn, our sin and therefore we mourn death okay you don't mourn death without mourning sin okay it doesn't work that way you have to mourn sin first and then the result of sin is death right and so then that's why we mourn death because it was it has this, it's the power of sin and then we rejoice that we are with the lord and then he can do amazing things that way we can be salt of the of the earth. We, we can potentially lose our saltiness, it says right there too, right? We're the light of the wor- world. We don't put it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? That's Sunday school song right there. So today's passage we're going to be reading out of is in John chapter 11. We're going to read the first eight verses first and then. Um, we are going to look at three different passages in here. Like I said, we're going to come back to this John chapter 11 next week as well because um, it's pretty much fun and amazing. And there's so much there. There's so many characters. There's so much stuff that happens during this time that it's a good passage. We're going to read it again. This is also one of the go-to passages. If you ever have done a funeral or if you've ever heard a funeral done by me, um, many a times I will go to John chapter 11 because of what Jesus does. Anytime Jesus shows up at a funeral, death leaves. He, he usually raises them from the dead or he heals the sick. And, and it's amazing. And this is no exception in this passage as well. Jesus does some um, mighty things right before he goes to the cross for us. So John chapter 11, verses 1 through 8 in the NLT which is the Red Bibles, if you got want to check those out, it reads like this. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them in with her hair, and her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judah were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Why, yes. Yes, I am. And they succeed the next time he goes back, don't they? They kill Jesus the next time he goes back. So our, one of our points today is face fear with Jesus taking the lead. You'll see all three of the main points up on the screen there. They're also on the back of your bulletin. And I left... Blanks in there for you to take, blank lines for you to take notes, not necessarily anything particular, uh, but there are usually four points that I hit in each one of them, so I I left you three to four lines there. So let's see if we can kind of create a picture here, right? Jesus is ministering off in the wilderness once again, and he gets a phone call, in a sense, a messenger comes to Jesus and says, Lazarus is sick. He's sick enough that his sisters sent a messenger. They're concerned. They're worried, and rightly so, because we find out he doesn't make it in the story, right? We know he dies. So their level of concern is correct. (laughs) Sometimes you ever get in a situation where we worry, and we're like, oh, is it going to be okay? And they're like, oh, that was silly to worry. No, this was one of those times where it's you worry to the full 100%, and you are correct in that. And they're worried that he's not going to pull out of the sickness. And God answers with, wait. Oh, boy, Lord, but he's, get, he's getting bad. He's get, I mean, he's getting shallow breath, and he's getting bad, Lord. And he says, wait. There's something bigger going on here than Lazarus being sick. And it's interesting because that's a big thing. And God's going to use this sickness, and he's going to use this death to teach his disciples something bigger than Lazarus dying. It must be a pretty big lesson if he's going to let one of his best friends die. That's all i got to say. There's a big lesson to be learned here. And so we as his disciples need to pay attention too. So if we go into the story and we were to put ourselves in the messenger's shoes, how would we respond when Jesus kind of is a little bit more nonchalant than what we figure he should be? It's a little too comfortable. We'd probably be like, "Um, I begged a different. When he left, he looked bad, and he didn't look like he's getting any better. So we need you to kind of maybe hurry rather than wait. But I'll report back. And this isn't in the scripture, by the way, but this is me putting myself in the shoes. You said he wasn't going to die. He said it wasn't going to result in death, is what Jesus said. But maybe the messenger, whether he translated it right or not, I don't know. That's not what he said, but he said, and we don't even know, the messenger may have stayed there. Maybe he was supposed to stay there until Jesus came back, so we don't even know if he reported back or anything. But in the messengers, a little... I would think a little frustrated. I would be as the messenger, hey, your friend's going to die. He's a really good friend. I know. I've seen you guys hang out. You need to get there. But now it's our turn when we get into this and a little application for us. Some of the application with that messenger is we don't want to misinterpret God's word, do we? Sometimes we say, God said he's not going to die. No, he said it's not going to end in death. There's a big difference there, which Martha picked up on, right? She said, I know it's not going to end in death because I know in the resurrection that that he'll rise again. And uh, Jesus says, oh, it's going to happen a little sooner than that, which would have been exciting. Jesus said it wasn't going to end in death, and Lazarus died but was raised to life. God hears them, and God... Works on his timing. Did Jesus not hear the messenger? Did he not hear them? No, he heard him. Jesus, when Jesus heard this, he decided to stay two days. That's like a prayer request. You ever thrown out a prayer request and be like, uh, "Lord, um, it's looking bad. We're getting we're getting right down to the wire. I know you want to do something amazing." And I know your timing is your timing, but I sure you wish you would show up in my timing, right? And you said he, this wouldn't end in death, but it sure looks like it's going to start that way, <laughs> which is what it did, right? God hears them, but he is working in his time, timing. We have promises here on the mission that we want to receive before the lessons learned. We want to be on mission for the Lord. We want to do his will. We want to do what he wants us to do, but we don't want necessarily the, the bad, the ugly, the, the rough time, do we? We just want to learn the lesson the way we will learn it, not the way necessarily that the Lord's teaching it. And that can be tough sometimes, can't it? But that's not how the Lord works. He never does that. He works in his timing and his ways, which, praise God, because his ways are so much better than my ways. If if we would do it my way, well, it wouldn't go well with us. You know, I'd have the right intentions, right? This is what I think, but it may result in something much worse, much more wicked. And that brings us to the second Kind of application we have here, the disciples. Lord, why are we stopping? You said Lazarus could wait. We got we went two more days, but look, there's at least four to six more days of ministry here. And that may or may not have been the case, but it didn't seem like they were too eager to leave. To me, anyway. Lazarus, he'll understand, he knows, and we're doing great things here. We're doing great things. Miracles are happening. We're baptizing people. People are being saved. They're coming over to your message. Don't you understand? Don't you understand, Lord? Oh, man. That sounds like me. Of course, I wrote it, so maybe it is, right? Um, Don't you understand, Lord? Amazing things are happening if you just keep going. No, no. Another thing they might have said, Lord, we've witnessed you healed people from miles away. You did it early on in in the book of John. You can do it late in the book of John, right? Do you believe that I can heal you? Yeah, go back. Your son's going to get better. Why can't you do that to Lazarus? Because the lesson in that case was there. Jesus didn't want to break the lesson. This time, the lesson is in Bethany, right? Where Lazarus laid in a tomb already. Right, and he's, he's getting ready to march into Judea to die himself. So God hears him, but he's working on his timing. And we want to work, have him work in our ways, but not necessarily. So bringing it back to us, much of what Jesus did was here to teach his disciples once again. Anytime you read the book of John, even really the, the Gospels, You look at the disciples first. What's he trying to teach the disciples? Then you can bring it out to the church or the bigger group there, and then you can bring it out to other things. But you always look at the application with the disciples first. Um, Possibly sometimes it's the Pharisees as well. And this is one of those times. He will teach them that the mission is not more important than the message. The mission, they're all about the mission. They're like, Lord, let's do this thing. Let's do this amazing thing. But they're missing the message because they're starting to pull the glory to themselves opposed to letting God receive the glory. That's kind of what I feel as came out of this passage for me. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm maybe eisegeting just a little bit there. But it seemed like they were very hesitant to leave. And you can get that from Thomas's response where he's kind of like, Let's go die with Jesus. You know, we got, we're doing amazing things here, but let's go die with Jesus. Halfway annoyed, halfway trying to get his heart in the right place. I've been there. I know. The example is uh, the mission of being a friend is not important than sharing the gospel with them. So we want to be a good friend But sometimes we do that at the expense of not sharing the gospel because we're just like, well, I I don't want to make waves. I don't want to, you know, what they believe is what they believe. And if we keep silent about our faith and what the Lord has done for us to save the friendship, then we're allowing fear to control our actions, aren't we? If your friend really respects you, they want to hear about your faith. Right? And I'm sure that they do. We have fear of making waves in the friendship. Well, you know, it might just not be the same. Well, it might not. You're you're right. You're not telling yourself a lie, you're telling yourself a partial truth. It might be stronger. It could change your friendship. It definitely could. It definitely will actually. I could make it a lot stronger, and it could make it slightly weaker if you're not praying for Him. Right? We have the fear that we might lose status with that friend or that company of friends. And what if they find out that I'm a Jesus freak like I am? Or what if they find out that I love Jesus or I dedicate my time more for? Jesus than I do for them. Or the ultimate one is what if they reject the message of Jesus, that he's our Savior? And then they're so turned off of it, they reject me as a friend, right? That one actually has some, a little bit of merit to it, but it's still wrong. It's still based in fear, isn't it? It's not based in love. So ultimately we talk ourselves out of sharing the gospel and we make the friendship more important to God than God and ultimately, sadly to say, this is the definition of idolatry. Isn't it? When we put something and make it more important than God, we've just made it an idol. And that's scary to me. Why is that scared to you, Pastor? Because I've done it before. I've done it very well. My best friend in high school, uh, we started going to junior college together, and I, I was so scared to share the gospel. He was Catholic. Um, he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know Jesus personally. Uh, he went to church. He knew the stories, but he didn't know who Jesus was and that he could have a relationship with him. And I remember one day, We're down in this basement, and it was just he and I, and I went to share the gospel, and I locked up. I could not speak. I don't know if it was demonic or the Lord. I don't know which it was, but I could not talk. And I went, and I was like, I know what I want to say, but I don't know how to say it. And his brothers came running downstairs, and he says, well, we'll talk later. Well, we never did. I've I've shared the gospel with them a little bit, but not... I had the opportunity, it was right there, it was perfect, and I didn't I didn't get the job done. I was too afraid. And I was afraid that he reject would reject my version of Jesus. And I don't know. I was the problem I have though is I wasn't trained well in sharing the gospel. I wasn't trained in how I should share the gospel and and I always thought that if you shared the gospel and rege- they rejected it, they rejected it forever. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You know why I get that? Because sometimes when I share the gospel with my friends, they, re- they would reject me for about two, three weeks. Well, they're not rejecting me. They're observing me. How are you going to treat me now that I've turned on you, how are they? How are you gonna treat me now? How are you gonna treat me now that I'm rejecting you? I'm gonna treat you the same way, buddy. Guess what? Right. So you know what else I'm gonna do? Here's here's four good blanks for you. I'm gonna intercede. I'm gonna intercede with prayer. This is how you evangelize to somebody you pray for them first. First, foremost, always through the process, and after the process, you pray for that person. You pray that they would that God would intersect the gospel in their life, and that they would know him in a personal way. Then I'm going to invest in him. This is where I did well. I, I invested in my friends. I invest in my friends a lot. Uh, time, talent, and my treasure. I will invest in friendships a lot. Friendships are important to me, and Um, it's easy for me to do. So I will invest them, but sometimes I forget to intercede for them. And so I need to remember to pray and invest. And then while we're talking along and we're talking about maybe the end of the world with the politics today or whatnot, I can intersect Jesus in there. And I bring in Jesus in just little snippets. And I was like, man, I don't know how somebody could do this without a relationship with the Lord. The conversation might get really quiet right there. You're like, oh, yeah, it would. <laughs> they just cussed seven times right in front of me. <laughs> hey, you know what I take that as? They're comfortable to be their real self in front of you, okay? Doesn't mean we have to repeat it back. But we intersect. And you say, would you like to know more about that? Sometimes you'll get a, yeah, I would, I really would. Sometimes, No. I don't really want to. And so you don't stop sharing the gospel right there. You still invest in them, and you still intercede for them. Guess what? You just made steps. You just made steps. And they're walking closer to Jesus. And that's what we do. And finally, we invite them to know Jesus. They say yes. Yeah. Um, Then, wow, let me tell you about my Savior. Let's study him a little bit, and I can show you um, what a picture he has for us and our relationship and and our relationship with him. Because if you get this relationship, your vertical relationship between you and the Lord down, these relationships get stronger. Guess what? Non believers put more value in a friendship with a believer than they do with other non believers. Why is that? you can trust somebody that's got values, can't you? When they have a moral code and they know that you have a moral code, they can trust that moral code. They'll also hold you accountable <laughs> to that moral code too. <gasps> you can't say that. Well, we, we fall short sometimes too, don't we, as Christians? We fall short. We just gotta get back up. Because are we the hero of the story? No. No, and that's, that's something that we need to remember. When they point out our wrongs, you're like, yep, I do fall short, but my God does not fall short. And you make him the hero. Because right now you can see where you just came off your pedestal and became their equal a little bit, which is what their goal was, but we didn't really want that as our... We didn't want to be on the pedestal anyway. We want Jesus to be on the pestle, so we allow him to go up. So that's a good time to say, you know what? I did mess up there, and I have a God who forgives me, and he can forgive you too. Wow. That is awesome, right? Because God blesses the poor and those who realize their need for him, right? Can you see where that's practical application there? So therefore, let your light shine so that others can see the good that you do so they can praise their Father in heaven. There's a VBS on to go with that, by the way, if you want to learn how to memorize that scripture. That's how I got it down. Um, John chapter 11, verse 9 through 17. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight in every day. During the day, the people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. Jesus is talking about himself, right? He's the light of the world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I now will go and wake him up. The disciple says, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will get, soon get better. And then they thought Jesus meant literally was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he said, told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I am glad I wasn't there for now. You will really believe. Come, let's go see him. I kind of wonder there, just a little pause in the scripture. I wonder if they really understood that he was really dead or if they're like, "Ah, no, because that's how I would do. I would, my first, um, I would be, I'd be in denial. He didn't really die. You didn't let your best friend die. Did you? He's your best stinking at this point, friend, right? And so Thomas, named the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go to and die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he had told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. You ever smell the dead raccoon after four days? Me, I hope you never do either. Yeah, they're they will. You ever see that that plump old coon on the side of the road? That's about four days right before they bloat and blow up, right? That's grossness. That's where Lazarus is at. He's at stinky time. Oh yeah, it's like the the diaper that you pass on to your wife because you're like it's Father's Day. Oh, boy. Lord, speak clearly to me. Lord, speak clearly to me. He's gone asleep. Okay, I'm going to speak clearly to you. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> you let your best friend die. I hope you don't let the, do that to me, Lord. <laughs> Little did they know. Have you ever been in a situation where you're thinking, Lord... Which way should I go? Lord, what should I do? I got two good paths or I got this path. And they both look like good options. What should I do? You see this a lot, especially after someone graduates high school. You see them when they graduate college. They got two career paths. Which way should I go? This is where I've experienced it the most. Uh, I've seen it in... I, see, I guess I've seen it in career paths. I've seen it in when I'm purchasing something. I'm like, I could get this one and this one, which one would be better, and I'll research it and research it and research it, uh, but it, they look like they're, they're two good options. Which way should I go? But, but there's times in our lives where we can't really see clearly where the Lord wants us to take the next path, and we're like, Lord, where do you want me to go? And the whole time, the Lord is right there they're holding a neon sign sometimes and in this case i believe he is and he says follow me both paths are good follow me which one of these paths is going to draw you closer to the lord follow me jesus promised the messenger and those around him that this would not end in death and maybe they were thinking like like martha well he he will rise again in the last days and They will be content with that. Or maybe, like Thomas, we like to spiritualize it. Well, let's go die too with Jesus. Let's remember this loss. Let's take time to mourn for death's sake and not for life's sake. What do you mean by that? He missed the point of death, it's the power of sin. Jesus was concerned about the power of sin on the earth. And he was here to change that, wasn't he? It's the result of sin. Yes, we mourn for the dead. Yes, we mourn for those who die because we're celebrating, in a sense, their life. And we can celebrate their life, especially if they had a relationship with Jesus Christ because we know it's not done. And if they didn't, we mourn because we should have shared the gospel with them a little bit better. And so we get those questions at funerals and things, and sometimes it's, oh, did they know? Well, maybe it's their mourning their responsibility because they never shared, and they're hoping maybe that you did. And that's kind of a scary proposition to be put in, isn't it? So we mourn because sin has crippled us. Sin has had its way with our physical bodies. But then Jesus happened, right? And Jesus lifts us out of the grave. We have the joy of the Lord. Jesus was standing right there. Let's go mourn with Jesus. Was Jesus mourning? I don't really think he was. At this point, I think it's the building of the anger. Jesus gets angry with death, and you see it throughout the story. He gets angry with death, and he, he does take time to mourn with Martha. He take, does take time to weep, and we're going to see this next week. But right now, he's building up anger for death, and he is going to rebuke death and bring Lazarus back to life. And that comes out of a righteous anger. Now it comes to our turn. And we've come off this wonderful week of Vacation Bible School, haven't we? We saw God move. Unlike other years, I just think kids understand because I think they see it in us parents, um, the anxiety that comes with dying. They see and know that they're fallible and they don't they aren't going to live forever and COVID had an opportunity to wipe them out in a sense right and so they see their parents dealing with death and they want to know the answers we've seen this in the youth group we've seen this at vacation bible school and they're looking for assurance and sometimes they take insurance in jesus right we hopefully they'll, they'll develop that relationship But sometimes it's just fire insurance. But we saw some amazing things. It's wonderful because the body of Christ was sharing the message of hope through sacrificial action, through his word and spirit, as we served this community. It was amazing. As a pastor, I saw congregants setting aside anxiety so they could serve kids or they could, it was actually, the one I saw particularly was a kid serving another kid, and she struggles with anxiety, and I saw her face light up just amazing with the joy of the Lord, and I was like, you are in your element. You need to remember this. I saw people coming alive um, to be a part of a community, and believers that don't normally serve, they were serving. We see that all the time when we have bigger events, and I saw hearts changed for the Lord, including the helpers. I saw generosity at the potluck as the island was totally full of food. I didn't know if that would ever happen, but you guys had to bring in another table for the drinks. That was exciting to me. We had a cart for drinks and things, and, um, and we needed it, didn't we? We needed all that food. We had a lot of people stay. I don't know if we had many people turn away. I, I was counting the the, the heads, and we might have had more downstairs than we'd had upstairs, because um, we had some guests come in after. That was exciting. I saw kids running around after church having fun, because we worked our butts off all week to make sure that they were comfortable in this building. That was exciting. We put Jesus and others first. It's kind of like old times. We've done it before, and it's a and it was exciting. I saw people who were present. They were serving one another. I saw the church at its full potential, and I'd be remiss if I didn't point it out. We were firing all, all cylinders, and sometimes we were missing a couple of times, but we get that tweaked a little bit, and we go fire again, right? It was amazing. It was wonderful. And it doesn't have to end there, does it? It doesn't have to end with Vacation Bible School, We can have a mini version of this when we share the good news with our neighbors, when we intersect Jesus into our conversation. Sure, they know who we are. They know the real Pastor Shane. They know the real Linda or the real Craig. That's okay. Because now they're going to get invited to know the real Jesus, and he's the hero of the story. Not any of us. Sometimes we feel like we need to be the hero. I need to set the example. And if I don't look perfect, then I'm not going to look like Jesus. But that's a false hope. I'm not going to put any hope in me. Matter of fact, when I mess up, maybe that's the best time to share the gospel. we We want a God that's going to forgive us, and they do too. I've seen this mini version at. The food pantry, when we serve with one another, and we give with compassion, and we give with dignity, we don't look down on other people that come to the food pantry, whether they come once or every single time we've been open, and that shows integrity, doesn't it? That's important to me, by the way, and you guys do it well. I've seen this during the treat tunnel, especially this year with COVID. People weren't sure if they wanted to come inside. They weren't sure if they wanted to do that. Well, come on outside. There's no pressure, but you're more than welcome to come. And they did. They went through the outside games. We had a great time, and it wasn't snowing. Praise God. (laughs) It was a great time. And we've seen this in past BBS, haven't we? And it's moments when we set aside our agendas for what church is and what it should be and we focus on serving like Jesus did that we see these micro moments, right? That's when we can mourn our brokenness and celebrate life in Jesus. It's easy though, pastor. It's easy to serve those kids. It's not as easy to serve everybody like that because they come full of joy, they come full of joy. And so it's easy to spread that joy right back to them. And that kind of joy, you know, it's easy easy to re- reproduce. But I have a little bit of problem with that logic. And I'd say I pretty much disagree with that logic. There is some t- degree that joy reproduces joy. Don't get me wrong. It's like a crowd draws a crowd kind of thing, right? When you're in sales. But that kind of joy is easy to reproduce. I kind of disagree because if that were the case, if that were the case and you recognize that all the time, wouldn't we have a list of people that we were on the waiting list to go downstairs and serve in the children's ministry and in the, the nursery? And guess what? We don't. <laughs> right? So Well, I can do that for a time. Well, that's, what, two hours maybe? It's not really that hard to do. Downstairs is even less. If I'm long-winded, it's like 45 minutes. You're "You're usually long-winded then. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Right? No, it's got to be something different than that. It's got to be something bigger. It's coming with the expectation to serve one another. By the time you get to about day Thursday, when we learn that God forgives us, right, on VBS, you've run out of gas. You're not doing this because the joy of the kid. You're like, shut up, kid. Stop jumping around, right? If you jump, I got to jump. No, you get up and you jump anyway, right? It's not easy, but we do it anyway. And by Friday, you're like, do whatever you want, just... Just don't break anything. <laughs> Pastor Shane will have to fix it on Saturday, and I know he already has enough to do. Right? You know, that's one of my number one rules in the in youth group. If you break it, let me know so I can have it fixed by next Sunday. It's a true story. Right, Jay? When you tear down the walls. That's right. Tear down doors. Boom. Back up next Sunday. That's so right. Put them in backwards. Don't tell the fire marshal. That's right. I still got to tear them out and put, spin them around. All right, it's dying to ourselves and putting others' needs in front of ours and watching our anxiety melt as we meet their needs. You want to get rid of anxiety in your life? Serve other people. It is the number one way to get rid of anxiety by far, and God designed it that way. You have a hard time with anxiety? Maybe you're looking a little bit too hard at yourself, not necessarily intentionally. Sometimes that's the problem. But you intentionally look to serve others. That is, I've been taught that lesson, and, and I found it works well, works very well. I'm not saying that's going to like take away all your need for medicine, but it'll take a lot of it. Maybe you definitely reduce the medicine and eventually get rid of it. Because sometimes we find that it meets our needs too, doesn't it? In this attitude of sacrifice, we're not, we give not expecting anything return. We give to give, just like Jesus did with our, our offerings. There's no agendas. There's no well, I'm going to hold my offering till I get what I want." That's wicked. That's wrong. Offering is about surrender. It's not, it's not so pastor getting paid. I appreciate it. I do love getting paid. I'm not going my my kids appreciate that you allow me to get paid, right? But to withhold from the Lord, that's a hard issue. That's not that's not a shame getting paid issue. So I caution you on that. Because the Lord Jesus told us to give in the New Testament, didn't he? He didn't say tithe. Tithing is a lot easier. Giving implies sacrificial action. Giving sacrificially. And honestly, that's more than 10% for most of us, isn't it? Some of us, it might be three. (laughs) You're like, I'm barely getting by. But uh it's giving sacrificially and see what the God how God's gonna show up. I tell you that giving is much harder than tithing because tithing requires or giving requires sacrificial action it is sacrificing your time and talents to serve the Lord. Speaking of time, we say, well, Pastor, sometimes you know, it's just Sunday mornings are inconvenient. They're, they're hard to get to. It's hard to get out of bed. Sometimes I just want to sleep in. Well, you and me both sometimes, right? But I, I've chose one. I've chose this career, so I'm pretty much probably not going to get out of Sunday mornings. And I'm fine with that. It is giving my time to the Lord to learn to worship Him with a community of believers that wants to do the same thing. Even when there's a nice blank spot right there, it's just good spit room, I guess. You guys never sit right in front of me. That's okay. I'm just teasing. But it does require some sacrifice, doesn't it? There's a tournament on the weekend. Okay. Is it every weekend? Or is it one weekend? One weekend, I would say, is okay. Maybe three weekends out of the summer. It's okay. More than that? I hope you'll be able to supplement your time with other believers. You better be getting with them during the week somewhere. Because you have a responsibility to this congregation just as much as we have a responsibility to you. Hey, where you at? Well, let's get together for coffee that week. Let's get together and read the Bible together. Let's get a phone call together so we can see how you're doing. And we can see how you're doing. Because that's how the body of believers works. And when that stops happening, we're just White Rose. We're not White Rose Fellowship. Right? It's in the name for a reason. The same attitude I saw is the same attitude I expect every week. Why? Because it's the same attitude I try to bring every week. Why? Romans one. 12 is why when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. The blessing goes both ways, right? As a teacher, I love hearing students or other disciples teaching others what they've been taught. I love hearing, hey, you're the point that you made in Sunday, I was able to use it this, 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 this. Because not only is it the first disciple or the second disciple, we see a third generation of disciple that I don't necessarily get to meet. And that means that you as a discipler are doing your job as we're trained to. Did Jesus baptize? Did Jesus baptize? No, he didn't. He trained trained his disciples how to baptize. And who baptized? The disciples did. And then others did. Right? Therefore, it is not... What's that? Different kind of baptism. But yes, he was. Right? So... God blesses the poor, those who realize their need for Him. We need to realize that need every day. Amen? Therefore, let your light shine so that others can see the good you do and praise your Father in heaven. Finally, our last point comes out of John chapter 11, verse 40 through 44. Jesus replied, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and Jesus looked up at the heavens and said, Father, Thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say this out loud for the sake of those people standing here, so they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet bound by in grave clothes, and his face wrapped in the headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. Folks, we need to be like Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, and he submitted to God's will. How did he get out of that grave? If you ever look at Lazarus' tomb, it's still there. They know where Lazarus' tomb There's not very many in Bethany, and they're, they know which one was Lazarus'. This is, you know what I mean. It's got like a 45-degree incline getting out of that thing. There's no way he can get out of there with those grave clothes on unless Jesus brings him out of that grave. That miracle is bigger than what we understand. That's what I'm getting at. Jesus calls him out of the grave and he and then he has those around he asks those around Lazarus to take off his grave clothes and let him go because Lazarus can't do it himself. Jesus has additionally he takes he asks someone to come alongside others, right? We need to come alongside others and realize that they are the walking dead. We have a responsibility as followers of Christ to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because if we don't, they're going to hell. And that's what we need to mourn. That's what we mourn. We have a responsibility as believers it is a command by Jesus Christ, the last one he gives us. Therefore, go and make disciples. I don't, I, I'm not an evangelist. I can't do this. Yeah, I know you can't. But in your weakness, he will make us stronger. And the fact that you are weak in this, God's Holy Spirit's going to work even better. That's how it works. Praise God. They have to submit to Jesus who can heal them and wash them clean. And we need to be ready to love on them and have the words of Jesus for them. That is our responsibility. That's why we got to get in God's word. That's why we got to apply it to our lives. That's why it's got to come out in our lifestyle so that we can see a changed mind, changed heart, and a changed lifestyle, as Pastor Dave would say. And I still love that saying. Where have I seen this? Where have I seen this? Jay, when you came to youth group, how many, how many people we'd have sitting over there? Brody, how many we have sitting over there? Five to seven? It wasn't much more than that. And it was like a year of that. And it wasn't because of the lack of these guys trying, right? They would tell other people about, hey, you need, to come, you need to come learn about this. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and tried, and tried. And, tried. and a year later... We see this youth group exploding because of their efforts. Why? Because they set an example for other believers like Bethany, who brought her friends. And when they found out that, how much fun they have, and then COVID came. And COVID came, they didn't have anywhere else to go. We can get together with mask off? Sure, sign us up. And they came in droves to the point where I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to handle this. Awesome, (laughs) right? Now, activities have started back up again. We had 11 this this Wednesday, but we've had up to 20 on Wednesdays very consistently because of efforts of other people that have gone before them. They're sticking around after COVID because they found out they got a God that loves them, and he sets an example for them, and the world is craving for that because other youth are sharing the love of Jesus from what they've learned while they were only seven. The world sees it in their changed hearts, their changed minds, and their changed actions. And we are sinners, aren't we? So it's not about us. Jesus still accepts us as sinners and that's attractive to the world. Because guess what, the world sins. Adults, I've seen it when you've shared your faith. Keep on doing it. Keep on pressing on. We didn't see results for a year. It was probably two years. I mean, sophomore through senior year, you, had, you got Brody to come, right? Pretty much, right? Wouldn't you say? You had others come along the way. Uh, junior year, you guys had three, four guys come, and then they went to college to get their knowledge, whatever. (sighs) But we saw, we see life in this youth group. We see these guys come back and invest in this youth group. And that's what we got to do. We got to invest with our neighbors. Get them to show up. God's doing some amazing things at this church. Will you come and see? It takes time and effort and Lots of asking, but once the dam breaks, watch out—it comes in droves. So keep asking. Nothing is going to stop the spirit from working, and like the youth group friends, the world wants to see a genuine faith. And they don't come because they're not ready to change. Most of them are ready to change. Sometimes they're not. There's, or they're afraid they might see the world here in the church. They might see somebody that says they're a Christian, but then they go on and live their lifestyle, and they're like, you're two different people. That's bogus. I I can't stand that. Guess what? Jesus can't stand that either. He says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. The world wants to see Jesus. Let us be the salt and light. We have an opportunity to build on what we started here at Vacation Bible School and share the joy that we have with others, starting with our church family. When Jesus calls us out to be salt and light, we can be ready. Or we can just stay in our graves. We can go to church to be average. Why would we want to go to a church like that? I don't want to go to a church like that. Where is our heart cry for the lost? We need to be praying for that. Who will go for the Lord? Who will walk by faith? Do you want us to see? Do you want to see Jesus change your group of friends? Then we need to intercede for that group of friends in prayer. We got to pray for them. We got to pray for our family that don't know the Lord. Do you want to see them change their habits? We need to invest time and money into that relationship. We need to model good habits and intersect Jesus in the conversation and let them hear the conviction from your hearts when, where we stink of sin and death, but Jesus rose out of that grave and he is the hero of the story. He's the hero of our story. Amen? Amen. And we need to invite them to be somebody in Christ's body. Because everybody's a somebody in Christ's body. Don't assume that's somebody else's job. Well, I I don't do that, Pastor. Do you remember what Jesus said about being faithful with little? If you're faithful with little, then you'll be faithful with much. But if you're not faithful with little... I can't trust you with much. So God is giving you a little. God can turn that into a bountiful harvest. I notice most of the time, the person I invest years and years and years, if I can get them to come to Jesus, it only takes like two times for them to ask their friends and they come because they're like, well, if you can change, you can change me. Invest in the one. It's not about you. It's not about your glory. It's not about how you led so and so to Jesus. It's about how Jesus led them to Jesus. Right? Take yourself out of the picture, folks. You're just getting in the way. If we have the power of the Holy Spirit, if we really do, then why are we sitting or still walking around in our stinking grave clothes? Why are we going back to habitual sins? Why are we going back to our way of lifestyle? We need to walk out of that grave. We need to be like Lazarus and rise up. If we are faithful with little, then the Lord knows you will be faithful with the bigs. We were faithful with the littles at VBS. He will trust you with the bigs when it comes to your friends. Guess what? The only reason I think the difference between people coming to Know Jesus as littles opposed to bigs is because we don't share with our bigs. We're too scared. We're too afraid. And fear controls us. No more. No more. Intersect Jesus in the conversation. See where it goes. Doesn't go anywhere. And then keep praying. Bring it back up next week. Just see where it goes. You ever wonder? Bring about morality. That always brings Jesus in the conversation. Bring about, where did everything come from? And work out those things. You're like, well, I don't know where everything came from. Lord, it came from, or pastor, it came from the Lord. If you don't know that, read a little book called A Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That'll get you. That'll give you some of the answers. Nice, plain, simple way to do it. I'm scared, pastor. But guess what? So am I. Especially when I didn't have the tools. But when God gives us the tools and he gives us the heart to intercede for the lost, you can't help but share your faith. I can guarantee you that right now. You're you're almost giddy to share it. Oh, I wonder if I could stick it in this conversation. It's really awkward, but I can bring it around. Jesus, Jesus will give me what I need to say. Right? I've done that many a times. How can I bring this back to Jesus when we're talking about Frisbee? Oh, I got this one. Right? It just becomes second nature to you. You can do it. I'm scared when I'm doing it under my own power though. But when I'm doing it with Christ, love his compassion, and I know Christ is living me, he changes me and I know the world is dying in their graves and I might be able to, I might be their only hope. Cuz Christ told me to be in their path. And I will let them see the joy of the Lord being my strength in my trials. I'll let the hope of the Lord be my little light, and I will be bold enough to shine brightly. The question is, will you shine with me? Will you shine with me? God blesses the poor and those who realize their need for him. Do you realize your need for the Lord? Therefore, let your light shine so that others can see the good that you do, So we can praise our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Elders, do you want to come forward? Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the boldness of the message that you've given us today. I pray in Jesus' name that we would have our lights out shining brightly for you, Lord Jesus. You are a God who saves us. You are the God who rescues us from our sin. Even now, Lord, that's what communion is all about. To remember what you did for us and that we can celebrate the Lord's death, not because of the death, Lord, but because we know that you defeated it and you want us to live with you for eternal life. Lord, I pray that we would surrender our hearts to you, surrender our mission to you, surrender our lifestyle to you. We ask that you would forgive us to walk in your ways, Lord, and that we would seek you on a daily basis. We pray these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.